Today I've taken up a topic that is concerning our identity. You know, right around the world, there is a war on identity, whether it's in America. You know, there's such a big war in America over the identity of that nation. And, and there is one side, you have people who are so secular, so social-minded, they want to have all types of uh, same-sex marriage, and, and, you know, they're making that a law. And the other side, and abortion is so easily done there. But the other side, you have people who, are, who want the values of God. And these two sides are fighting in America. But the same fight is taking place in Hong Kong. And there is a fight in, of the identity in Hong Kong over whether it should be democratic or under the regime of China. And the same fight is taking place in the UK, whether it should be in part of the European Union or not. But it's an identity fight, of course, that is already settled in the UK. They want to leave the European Union. But I want to say to you, all over the world, there is a fight concerning identity. But the biggest fight, the biggest of all, is your identity in Christ. And the devil wants to destroy it. Basically, what the Lord is saying to you, look, I died on the cross for you. Look at my hand. There is a hole inside. And I've done certain things for you. Hang on to it. And the devil comes and says, no, no. So there are two hands coming out to you. One is the hand of the Lord Jesus, and the other is the hand of the devil, and it says no. And I can tell you, you're today you're going to see those two hands as I am giving you the sermon. And you can check out your, the fight and the war inside your own heart. So that's, that's the summary of my sermon today. All right? And so I'm going to pray and say, God, that you will bring revelation. Oh, God, I pray for this. I pray for revelation knowledge, Lord. I ask of you, Lord, that you would deposit something inside our hearts, something so deep inside our hearts, Lord, that it will bear fruit and for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's start. The war in our heart. Take, take the outline. The three building blocks of life, right? The outline, outline. Next one. The three building blocks of life. One is the foundation. How you present your heart to God. That's deep inside. Nobody can see it. You know, foundation of a building is under the floor. Nobody can see the foundation, but the foundation is vital. You know, without that foundation, the building will just fall down. The battle is over there in the foundation. Absolutely there. How you build your foundation. How you hold your heart before God. He can see your heart. I can't see it. Nobody else can see it. It's hidden, but vital. It's very vital. And God can see your heart and my heart. And he says, well... You're going to test your heart, all right? Okay, that's the problem. Then the ground floor. The ground floor is something which people can see. It's your character. It's how you hold your heart before the public, all right? How you present your heart to others, right? And the higher floors. And the higher floors are, you can go right up to a skyscraper 
It's everything else. It's your family, which is very important, mind you. Very important. Family is very important. Your career is very important. Your education is very important. But if you keep your eyes only on that and forget your foundations, boom, sooner or later it will crumble. And so you need, this is the war inside your heart, right? Okay, so point number two, success in the eyes of God. What is the definition of success in the eyes of God? And I'm going to bring out the Moses principle. And then we will examine those principles from Moses. Third, your true identity in Christ. What has Christ done for you? What has he done for you? And are you living from that identity? I mean, I just think about him. He gave his life. We, we, we remember all that every time we break communion. And communion is so important. When you look at him, and he gave his life for us. And what he has done for us. And should, are we living from that identity? Or are we living from the identity of the, that the world wants you to live from? Right? And that's when we come to the next point. Testing where your heart is. Testing your own heart. Testing, knowing the war inside your heart. And then coming to the fifth, dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. God says, I desire truth in your inward parts. Right? And so we're going to look into those points. Here we are. So the three blocks of life. First, the foundation. How you present your heart to God. So, first thing is, it is hidden from public view. But nevertheless, very vital. And you know that now. But the second point, the problems of your heart. What are the problems? It's the world around us. You know, we are bombarded with how many? Probably a thousand, 500 to a thousand advertisements every day. When you open the papers, when you look at the news, whatever, you're bombarded by the suggestions of the world. You're bombarded with the pride of life. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. That is, you're bombarded with that thing. So the world around you is one thing that is affecting your heart. But there's another one, the bad experience behind you. The bad, our hurts. We are living in an imperfect world. Our families are not perfect. We get hurt everywhere. And then that hurt is deep inside us. It affects us. It affects us. All of us are affected. All of us are fractured. Everyone. And then all that, the world and the experience, is all combined and it makes you have wrong beliefs in us. So the world around us, the bad experience behind us, and that results in the wrong belief in us. I'm no good. I'm not like him. I can't do that. Uh, and these are the wrong, and we live from those wrong beliefs. People tell us, you're a Buddha. You know, you're no good. But I have said it to my nephews, you know. <coughs> you know, 
people of authority speaking down on you. And you take that inside your heart. And so you have a wrong belief in you. And so Satan comes and he's against us. And he takes all these three things and he multiplies it. And you know what? You help him because you repeat it. You know, Satan says, you know, he said you got, you're no good. Yeah, I'm no good. I'm no good. Don't ask me. I'm no good. I, I can't do it. Don't, don't, no, 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 don't ask me. I can't do it. Satan is saying, I don't have to do my job. He's doing it. You're repeating what Satan has already suggested to you. So all these things are problems of our hearts. Right. Now, as a believer, when we come and be born again, we are assured of our salvation. We are assured of forgiveness of sins. We know that there is no wall between us, uh, between God and us. We know it. But it is natural, listen, it is natural for all of us, for all of us, to have the same definition of success as we had before we were born again. It is natural. I mean, I came, you know, I got born again at the age of 40. That, that definition of success still lingered with me, and I had to keep on breaking that definition of success and receive what God says is success. What is a real successful life according to God's term? How he sees success. But I, was, I came from the world. And all of us have come from the world. And so our definition of success doesn't change overnight when we are born again. It doesn't change at all. It has to change only through the cross, through the word, and through the renewal of the mind. And it is an effort. You, ha you have to be intentional to break your heart. The brokenness, or not my will, but thy will be done. The brokenness is there, has to come. Anyway, so the godly definition of success is to believe this hand. I love you. I died on the cross for you. I love you. That's the godly definition. That's it. Jesus died on the cross for you. Look at this hand. Look at this hand. Look, look at the hole inside. Jesus always tells you this. Live from this hand. So believe that God loves you and respond to him in love. Love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And that's really a definition. Out of that will come the overflow of loving others, of loving others. You know, we can never love. Listen, the core truth is this. You can never love hard more by trying harder. You can never love God and can never love man more by trying harder. You can only love God and man more by seeing his love for you first. And that's what the Bible says. He says in 1 John 4, 9, we love because he loved us first. Because means in the light of. We love in the light of he loved us first. 
We love as we see that he loved us first. And so it's looking at this hand is so important in our lives. And as we go forth, I want to bring that hand into your heart so that you will understand the battle of your heart, right, as we go forth over here. But let me just tell you something about why it's so important to know the love of God. And so I'm going to bring to you, it's by revelation, by the way. Therefore, Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. Paul prays, and I pray, and I pray, that you being rooted, remember this word, rooted, What's the rooted means? That you must be like a tree planted in streams of water whose roots go right down. Because when the roots go right down into the love of God and you're drawing from the love of God, you become fruitful. If you're rooted deep into the love of God, you become fruitful. If you're deep rooted in the love of the world, your fruit will show worldliness. So he says, I pray that you will be rooted and established. Established means foundation. You must be, you, your house must be built on the rock. Your house means your life. Must be built on the rock, the rock of God's love. So the storms will come, the winds will blow, but that will not be shaken. He says, I pray that you will be rooted and established in love. May have power. together with all the saints, to grasp, power to grasp. Uh, David, please come up. Where's David? Where's David? David, 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 yeah. You must have power to grasp. Now, power to grasp. This word grasp is apprehend, not comprehend. It doesn't say power to understand. It says power to grasp. How wide how long and high and deep is the love of Christ for you or for each one of us? You know, how do you grasp it? You grasp it inside your heart. Let your heart have arms. Let your heart have arms. And in the arms of your heart, if this is God's love, I grasp it like this. <laughs> how wide? <laughs> David is special to me My son's name is David My grandson's name is David Two of my best friends are David And there's a pastor David here So David, you're special <laughs> Very special man Alright Therefore I took him up Not for anything else I mean you're laughing Not for anything else So anyway you have to grasp with your you can't understand it. It is surpassing understanding, surpasses knowledge over here. It surpasses knowledge. You have to grasp it. And by faith, by faith you grasp it. Every day, oh God, you love me. Every day, look at his hand. And whatever hand comes to you, I'm not gonna take that. I'm gonna grasp this hand. Hand with a hole. Say, God, I grasp it. I grasp it. You see, so that, you know, and to know that this love surpasses knowledge, you can't understand it. It's too big for us. It's too big. 
got to grasp it by faith. The love of Christ for you and for me. This hand. And that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. You know, listen, in nature, there is no vacuum. No vacuum, no empty spaces. If there is low pressure, the high pressure zone comes and whoop, you know, the wind comes into the low pressure zone. You know that thing. If there is a hole and there is water on top, the water flows down into that hole. But in nature, there is no empty space. Everything is filled in nature. You won't find a vacuum. There is a vacuum in our hearts. And God says, I want to come and fill your hearts with my fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. And that's what he's saying. I pray for that. I pray for that revelation. And say, God, I want to be filled I want to grasp it every time. You know what, Lord? When I am faced with this hand, I'm not going to take it. I'm going to take this hand. You understand? And that's our choice. God says, I want to fill you. I love you. I love you passionately. How high, how deep, how, you know, how long, how wide. The love of God. He says, I I love you so much. I love you so much. And every day, I want to hang on to that love. Anyway, let's go. So, that's your foundation. Foundation. Ground floor is your character. Is how you present your heart to the world. Psalm 15 says, live a life of integrity, clean hands and a clear conscience. And every day, I have to examine my hands and my conscience because I'm dealing with people, right? At the basic level, it is better to give than to receive, to serve rather than be served, to be a contributor, not a consumer, to be a blessing, not a burden, to accept one another, not necessarily to approve one another. It doesn't say approve all your actions. Christ does not approve any all our actions, but he accepts us. And we can accept one another even though we may not approve of some of the actions, right? So anyway, Micah 6 verse 8 is, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. I'm going fast. Number two, success in the eyes of God, the Moses principle. First principle is intimacy with God. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Once I told you some time ago, what does the friendship mean? Friendship has two things. What's the type of friendship? The type of friendship which God wants is that you come into his inner circle so that he can share his heart with you as a man shares his heart with his friends. He says, I want you to come into my inner circle. That is the type of friendship that God wants. And the cost of friendship, if you are my friend, you will obey my commandments. The cost of friendship is obedience. You understand? And so, Moses was a man who was so intimate with God that God called him his friend, and he speaks face to face. And that is success in the eyes of God. Second point, humility before men. 
In Numbers 12, 3, it says, Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Wow, that's success. Not in the eyes of the world, but a success before God. Third one, intentionally cultivating a spirit of revelation. Know who God is and his ways. Exodus chapter 13, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I might know you and continue to find favor with you. Verse 18, then Moses says, now show me your glory. And Moses' heart was, I want to know you more and I want to know your ways more. And for that, you have to intentionally, intentionally cultivate a spirit of revelation, which means intentionally read the word of God and pray to accordingly. And say, God, I want, to, I want to know you more and I want to study, I want to know your ways more. And that is something which in the eyes of God is success. That's the Moses principle. And that's not the worldly principle. But the Moses principle is intimacy with God, being a friend of God, paying the price of friendship, obedience, being humble before men, and intentionally cultivating a spirit of revelation. Intentionally. All right, so your true identity. Now, in 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10, it says, but you are a chosen people. You know when you were chosen? Before the foundation of the world. That's when you and I were chosen. Which means he accepted you with all your monkey tricks and my monkey tricks. He accepted us. So you are fully accepted by God. How he has fully accepted you? Through Jesus, all right? So whenever you feel he doesn't love me, you figure out whether you want to listen to this hand or you want to listen to this hand because this is what God says about you and me. If you're overlooked by somebody, if you have lost, you didn't get a promotion, or whatever goes wrong in this world, which hand are you going to look at? This hand or this hand? Because he has chosen us. He has chosen us. Before the foundation of the world. Second, he says over there, once you did not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. In 1 Peter 2.10. It means you have received mercy through Jesus. You're totally forgiven. Your past, present, and future sins. Yes, totally accepted you. The whole lot. Forgiven us. We don't stand, con there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's a fact. That's a fact. Even, even if I'm sinning continually, you see, there's a difference between a pig and a sheep. If a pig, when he goes into the gutter, he likes to stay there. But a sheep, if he goes to the gutter, will die trying to come out. And if, if you are born again, you have a heart of a sheep. You know, you'll never enjoy your sin. And some, I, I, I can see youngsters, you know, face down, Pastor, I'm falling, you know, keeping on falling into sin. 
Yeah, you're a sheep trying to get out. God sees your effort. There is no condemnation. Don't stay in it. You're trying to get out. Even if you die trying, God sees your effort. He sees your effort. And he knows. And one day, believe me, you'll be set free. You know, because of the faithfulness of God. Don't give up. Don't give up. Anyway, third point your, of your true identity, your God's special possession. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. You are valuable. You have an identity. I deal with so many Dalits, low caste people. They have no identity. But in Christ, they have an identity. They have, and you have a great identity. If you are a believer, you are, a, you are God's special possession. Possession. You are valuable in the sight of God. You are valuable. Don't say, oh, nobody cares. You know, nobody wants. I'm nobody. I'm nobody. Whether you are a president or a peon, it doesn't matter. You're accepted, you're loved, and you're valuable. All right? You're valuable. But there is one more, and that is you are a royal priesthood. You are a priest. A priest, listen, he has made you capable of being a priest. He has made you capable of being a priest. Whether you're a president or a peon, it doesn't matter. In fact, if you're a peon, you have greater faith than presidents. According to the word, he says, he says those who are poor are rich in faith because you can cling to God more. You see, you have, you are a priest. Priest means you represent man to God and you represent God to man. That's a priest. And all of us are capable of being a priest. And don't ever say, I'm not fit. I'm no good. Can't say that. Jesus says, hey, I made you capable. Which hand will you take? Which hand will you take? Which hand? You know, some of us are not wealthy. They're poor. But God says, listen, I made you a priest. You can pray. You can pray. I, I, know, I know one lady who's, you know, short, old, hunch. But when she prays, she can shake the heavens. You know, because she's a priest. You can shake the heavens whether you're a president or whether you're a peon. You are a priest. Okay, testing of your heart. I told you, there is a vicious, vicious war against your identity. One side, the devil says no. The other side, Jesus says yes. Which hand will you take? And 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I'm afraid, just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your mind may somehow be led astray by your sincere from your sincere and pure devotion to God. He says, the devil is tempting you. He's doing with his hand. He says, your devotion is with this hand. Your devotion is with this hand. And he's subtle tempting you. And that's the big war. Are you really after the Moses principle? Check your heart. What place has the greatest commandment have in your life? Love your God with all you. Ask a youngster. Hey, uh, you know what's the greatest commandment? Oh, yeah, love your God. Do you, do you do it? Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I got my exams, man. What are you talking about? 
I got this, I got that, I got this. I... Of course, of course. You see, we take it for granted, but we don't apply our heart towards it. We don't apply it. We just allow life to move without a serious application of our We don't set our hearts to love the Lord. You know, and, uh, are you really after the Moses principle? Are you really after that? That intimacy, that friendship with God? The humility before man and cultivating a heart of revelation, spirit of revelation. Are you really doing that? Is that your life? You can test your hand. Or are you after the world? Because you see, that is glittering. I have got to. Be. Is that inside our heart? If God called you to build skyscrapers, even some people are gifted, you know, in the marketplace, they are gifted, they are. They are gifted in ministry. And so God calls them to build a very high superstructure. But the higher the superstructure, the higher the skyscraper, the deeper must be the foundation. All right? Deeper must be. If God has elevated you in the marketplace or elevated you in ministry, deeper must be the foundation. Otherwise, it crumbles down. It crumbles. I mean, I deal with bishops, mind you. Really, honestly. And I've seen them compromise so badly because their eyes are on their position. You know what? That's what they do. You see, basically, how do you check it out? Do you check? Do you have more pain in your heart if your foundations are weak? Or you have more pain in your heart if the acclamation of the world for you is not so great? Again, do you have more pain in your heart if there is sin inside your heart? If you have more pain in your heart, if your foundations are weak, I'm not really after you, my God. It doesn't so much. But you know what matters to me? If that guy says something to me, oh, I'm so upset. Oh, yeah. You have more pain there than more pain in your heart in your relationship with God. Then, my friends, you have not taken his hand. You have taken this hand. Your eyes and your focus is on the skyscraper. Your focus is not on your foundation. Have you got the point? Yeah? Right. So if you, if you, I mean, even the disciples, mind you, <laughs> they did the same thing. They wanted to be top. Jesus said, hey, listen, stop it. You know, call a little child. That's how you must be. All the time they wanted skyscraper, he brought them to foundations. If you look at it into the Gospels, it's almost comical. It's absolutely comical. These were big apostles. They were always looking at the skyscraper. I want to be this. Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? He always brought them to the foundation. So it is natural for us to look at skyscraper. It's natural for us, for our eyes to be there. God says, Back to the foundations. That's where your world is. Now, dealing in the secret place, I'm closing. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. You know, in your quiet time, look at the movements of your heart. What is disturbing you in your quiet time before the Lord? What is 
troubling you. Look at the movements in your heart. And every day, I have to look at my movements. And if my movements are towards the Lord, even a small move, he is pleased. He is pleased. He says, you know, if you give a cup of cold water to any of my disciples, you will not miss your reward. He looks at, this, at our hearts. He examines our hearts. And you are testing your hearts every day. What are the movements? Why are you disturbed? Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Hope thou in Lord. Why are you downcast? Look at the movements in your And if there is no rest in your heart, if there is turmoil, it's because you're affected by the outside. You're not affected by this hand. And so find, if you've lost your peace and you've got unrest in your heart, find out where you lost it and find your peace again in him. And find your peace again in him. And every day in your quiet time, come to a place of surrender. Because in surrender, before the king, before the Lord, you will find his presence and you will find his joy. You will find his presence and you will find his joy. Let me close. Let me close. I hope that I have spoken to your heart and I pray for you. I want to really pray for you. I pray that in your quiet time, you will find him in the depths of your heart. You will find him. Say, God, you are more important than anything else. Father God, I just pray to you for your mercy. I pray for revelation. I pray to you, my God, for your people. I pray because of your son, Jesus. He made all things possible. He made all things possible. His name, Lord, for his precious blood. By God, I pray. I pray for each and every one that your word will take root and it will bear fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.